You are listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Welcome to Gravity. We're really glad you guys could make it tonight. If you're new here, like always, we want you to feel welcome. We want you to feel like this is your home, maybe away from home. But hopefully your home has bathrooms at work. So I guess we're all just going to have to hold it for a while. Um, I wanted to give you guys just a quick update on our uh, email. One way we keep in touch is via our website. If you haven't been to gravitychurch.com, the address is up there. If you go to that website, you can register and we can send you email updates. Don't worry about spam. We're not going to give your address out to anybody, but that's one way that we could stay in touch. So if you could visit that and and check it out, that'd be great. It's good to see new faces here. Uh, Just about every week we see new faces here, and I love that. I love how it's different every week. I love how we don't find ourselves stuck in a routine. Does anybody like being stuck? I don't don't like being stuck. It's it's not a good feeling. has anybody felt like you've just lost traction in your life? Like you're in this place and, and that you just can't get out? That you've just been sitting there? It's, it's not a feeling that, that people really like, you know? We're going to talk a little bit later about this guy that was stuck and how Jesus encountered him and how he pulled him out of this place, right? But it's important that, that we're responsive, that, that we're responsive to God's call in our life and, and that we're ready. It's important that we don't have to change gears to do God's work. That when he says, I need you to encounter this person and have a talk with them or, or maybe help this person out, it's important that we're ready. Part of being ready is, is having that seamless faith that we've talked about, that, that transparent faith. Be, just being able to respond to the needs of the community and, you know, whenever God calls us. Jesus was responsive, right? When you look at his ministry, wherever he went, wherever he went, he was ready. He, he walked into a place and he saw these needs in the community or, or this town or whatever, and, and he just dealt with it right away. If you were with us last week, we heard the story about the last days of Jesus on earth, right? Easter Sunday, and some of us went to the waterfront. I love the story of Jesus. I, I love it. I love to hear how he makes things new again. It reminds me of how he sought me out to save me. It reminds me of, of this newness that he brings to everything. How he stood up for me, even though it cost him everything. He stands up for people like that. I love the Bible, how, how the Bible is this chronicle, this story of God's love, starting in Genesis, of, of creation and love and relationship. If you were here a couple months ago, we, we went through uh, Adam and, and heard about this relationship that Adam had with God. I love reading about it. The best part about the Bible, though, is that the, the Bible is our story. This book is about us. We are the main characters in this thing. W- when I read it and think that this book is about me, it kind of takes new meaning. It's not just a book. It's like, God wrote this. This is things that he did for me. He saved me, right? But at the dawn of creation, we read about how Adam walked with God and, and how he talked with him. And there was this time where, where they were in the garden they, and they were friends. And they had this communication like no other. It was man and God, and it was just amazing. And we, we heard about how when sin came into this picture, it just changed everything. The entire dynamics of the whole relationship just got turned upside down. The fabric was, was torn. 
right? Things were different, completely different. And, and over the years, God's view of man had, had become skewed. It become different. It wasn't like when they were walking together in the garden and, and they could talk and, and just have this relationship. Over the years, God became a voice from the thunders of heaven that, you know, would hit you with a lightning bolt if you opposed him. To some people, he became a plague that, that killed thousands of people at once for whatever reason. Other people, he became reduced to just words on a tablet. Sentences, letters, words. Moses brought it down from Mount Sinai. And, and it evolved into this thing, into this system where it became just governed by these rules. See, men love system. They love to know who's in charge, who's, who's the boss, you know. And over time, these rules just morphed into this daily tiresome ritual. This methodical undertaking where no one ever really truly addressed the condition of your heart. You see, if you did these things, if you followed these rules, if you just did this, this, and this, it didn't matter what was happening in here because you were okay. And it was shallow, right? It was fake. It was diluted. It was false. But God changed that. Things became different again. We're going to talk about that. You see, God wants us to know him. Do you guys have your Bibles tonight? If you could turn to John 1, we're going to put the words up on the screen too. John 1, I'm reading out of the New International Reader's Version. You could replace the word word with Jesus. It's kind of wordy. In the beginning, the word was already there. The word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him. Nothing that has been made was made without him. Life was in him. And that life was a light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. A man came who was sent from God. His name was John. He came to give witness about that light. He gave witness so that all people could believe. John himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. The word was in the world that was made through him, but the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. Some people did accept him. They believed in his name, and he gave them the right to become children of God. To be a child of God has nothing to do with human parents. Children of God are not born because of human choice or because a husband wants them to be born. They are born because of what God does. And here's, this is important right here. Verse 14 says, the word became a human being. He made his home with us. We have seen his glory. It is the glory of the one and only son. He came from the father and he was full of grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. You see, in this passage, John tells us that God became human, like you and I. Jesus became flesh and blood, just like us, except for one thing. He was perfect, and we're not, right? Uh, he ate with us. He prayed with us. He walked where we walked. He experienced the things that we did, that we do. If you look at the message version of the Bible, it says that he moved into the neighborhood. He moved into the neighborhood. I love that. I love that, the way that sounds because it, it really gives a realism to what God does in our life. I've known Jason for about 30 years. Last summer, 
Jason moved into my neighborhood. He didn't move around the block. He didn't move across the street. He moved next door to me. When I opened my door to get my mail, that's like his door right there, it's closed. It's amazing how much you find out about a person when they move into your neighborhood. He's like the only one on Wednesday nights that doesn't bring his trash can in, by the way. Everybody else is like, will this guy bring his trash can in? But that's what Jesus did when he, when he moved into our neighborhood. He, he came into this place, to our neighborhood. He, he moved in with us. And we got to know him so much more intimately. We saw him weep. We saw him turn over tables. We saw him feed people and heal people. He understood economics and poverty. He understood racism. He understood the intricacies of all of human nature. He understood sin, right? And at the end, he actually bore our sin. He bore our sin. You see, he showed us the heart of God. He set the record straight when, when we had it all screwed up. When, when we didn't have this relationship with God, he actually came down and fixed that so that we would have this relationship with God, right? But he brought something with him that was powerful. And if you look back at verse 14, it says he brought grace and truth. It says he was full of grace and truth, right? You see, the concept of grace and truth as, tight, as Christ taught it to us, I think it's profound. Because in this time where, where your relationship with God, knowing God, was based upon, when the measure, when the, the marker of knowing God was based upon how well you could follow the rules, he brings this thing called grace and truth. It didn't say that he brought law. It says he brought grace and truth right? When we think about grace and truth, what is it we think about? As Christ taught us grace and truth, we see that they're inseparable, grace and truth. Grace and truth are two sides to one coin. There's grace and there's truth, truth and there's grace. Christ bought both. Grace embraces us. Grace comforts us. Grace heals us. Grace is God's love that consumes us, that envelops us, that that holds us. It's the things that heal us. It's us feeling God and knowing that God is there. Is grace enough? I think that when you feel God's grace, you can say that you know God, that God has had an effect on your life. But what about grace and truth? If grace is knowing God, then what is truth? You see, truth, truth reveals our condition right? Truth reveals our condition. Truth measures the state of our heart. Truth is the traction that gets us out of that place. Truth is a tread on the tire. When we're stuck, it pulls us out. Truth helps us to understand God. If grace is God's embrace of us, truth is our embrace of God. It's us knowing God and knowing his love. You see, Jesus transformed lives. Everywhere he went, he healed people, thousands, or fed people by the thousands, right? He healed people, scores of them. Everywhere he went, he spread this grace of God and, and showed it to people in a way that nobody had ever experienced it before. The people at the time were just blown away. They had no answer for it. They had no idea where did this guy come from. He brought this amazing power with him, this grace and this love. But he also brought truth says he was full of grace and truth. And the same places that he went, he brought his word, he brought his teaching, he brought these things that actually transformed lives beyond just the physical. 
to transform the condition of their hearts, right? I'd like you to read with me in John 5. John 5, there's a, a story where Jesus has this encounter with this guy. He's a disabled guy. Soon another feast came around, and Jesus was back in Jerusalem. Near the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool, in Hebrew called Bethesda, with five alcoves. Hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were in these alcoves. One man had been an invalid there for 38 years. It's called Bethesda, right? So there was this place, this, this pool, and I think it was near the gates. They called it a, a sheep gate. I don't know if that means a sheep goes through it or, or, or what the significance of that is. But hundreds of people would go to this place, and it was thought at the time that an angel would stir the water. And when the water stirred, if you were the first one in, you'd come out healed. I personally, my mind kind of works funny. I'd like to know the guy that, first guy that found that out. I often wonder if it was like a, a blind guy that accidentally fell in and came out better, you know? But I, I would imagine that they'd wake up early in the morning and, and stake out their place. I mean, this is where it happened. This is where you were going to be different. I would imagine that, that they would just line the, the whole outside perimeter of this thing, waiting in expectancy. You could probably hear a pin drop because this was your big chance, right? If you're paralyzed or whatever it might be. Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and knew how long he had been there. He said, do you want to get well? Okay, I have to admit, when I hear that Jesus asks this guy, do you want to get well, it kind of sounds like a funny question to me, right? Here's a guy that's obviously sick. He's at a place known for people that are sick getting better. And he asks him the obvious, do you want to get well? Kind of sounds a little crazy at first, but it reminds me of a time, or is that a taco truck? Does anybody else eat at taco trucks? Am I the only one? It's good for your digestion. Taco trucks, I was, I was sitting at this taco truck, and I'm, I'm really happy about it, right? And if you've been to a taco truck, there's not much on the menu. It's usually tacos and maybe burritos. This guy pulls up, and he's happy as can be. He's got this little taco dance going on, and he's like, taco, taco, going to get a taco. And he comes up to me, and he's like, hey, man, you here to get a taco? And I, I look at the guy, and I'm like, it's a taco truck? It's lunchtime? And I don't say that, but I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to get a taco, man. He's like, right on, I love tacos. I'm going to get a chicken taco. So he, he's happy about this, but here's the thing. We, we ended up having this great conversation. You see, this guy engaged me. He didn't care how dumb the question sounded. And neither did Jesus. You see, Jesus sought this man out. It didn't matter to him how dumb it might have sounded. He sought this guy out. And I often ask my question, myself, how many times have I let something as simple as conversation just escape me? How many times have I just, at the risk of sounding stupid, just walked by, you know? So now I ask people if they're there to get a taco when I'm there. <clears throat> but what is important about that is dialogue. The sick man said, sir, when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, someone else is already in. I don't have anybody. Have you ever felt stuck? Has you, have you ever felt like you had nobody to help you out? Have you ever been in a place where, where you needed somebody to help you out and there was nobody? Have you ever been in that place where somebody just walked by you and they didn't engage you? You see, this guy was sitting there for 38 years. He could teach us about perseverance. He could teach us about faith. He could teach us about patience. 
This guy knew it. I'm 38 years old. I could not imagine sitting there. I mean, he would have seen other people come and go, healed. He would have seen, people probably would have just cut him off as he, as he saw the water stirred. I mean, who helped him? Who helped him? Jesus said, get up, take your bedroll, and start walking. The man was healed on the spot. He picked up his bedroll and walked off. I like this story because it reveals the heart of God. You see, I like this story because it reminds me that even among the sickest of the sick, Jesus sought this man out. When everybody else walked by him, Jesus sought him out, asked him a dumb question, and made him better, right? And it shows me that there's hope for me, that no matter what state I'm in, no matter where I'm at, there's somebody that's going to stand up for me. There's somebody that's going to reach out and help me. We're going to go on a little bit. Verse 9. Here's where the story kind of turns. That day happened to be the Sabbath. The Jews stopped the healed man and said, it's the Sabbath. You can't carry your bedroll. It's against the rules. But he told them, the man who made me well told me to. He said, take your bedroll and start walking. They asked Who gave you the order to take it up and start walking? But the healed man didn't know, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. Talk about a thrill kill, right? 38 years, and all they say to this guy is, dude, what are you doing carrying your bedroll on the Sabbath? See, at the time, this was like being in California, driving your car the wrong way down a one-way street while you're talking on your phone. You see, this is against the law. This is against the rules. You don't carry your bedroll on the Sabbath. It's like against the rules. And, and, and the guy, he's like, I don't know. He just told me to do it. And, and it didn't matter. All he cared about was he was better. You see, these guys should have engaged him. How many times had they walked past him? 38 years they had to have seen him at some point, right? How many times did, did they, when the water stirred, they just sat there and let him sit? See, both of them should have been on each side of him, one on each arm, and when the water stirred, they should have hucked him in that pool. Eventually, Jesus sought the guy out and healed him. We're going to take verses 9 through 13 and file them under not grace. That's not grace. That's a bad example of grace. Verse 14, here's where we flip the coin around. A little later, Jesus found him in the temple and said, You look wonderful. You're well. Don't return to a sinning life or something worse might happen. You see, that's truth right there. There's grace and there's truth. Jesus came full of both. John 14 says that he came full of both. 38 years of sitting on the mat and Jesus turned around with a sentence. It's grace and truth. He tells the guy, stop sinning. He tells us to him because he knows that sin has a cost. And he wants to explain to him that it, that it can get into the way of a relationship with him. It diminishes that relationship that we talked about that that was lost at one point and that Jesus came here to restore. Grace and truth. You see, sometimes we don't want to admit that there's some things that we have to change in our life. Sometimes we don't want to turn that coin over and and, and do some housekeeping. It's really easy for us to accept God's grace, all the great, wonderful things that happen, and it's beautiful. 
But when you turn the coin over, what's there? It says he was full of grace and truth. You see, truth reveals our condition. It reveals our condition. When we accept Christ into our life, we accept both grace and truth. There's both of it. There's two sides of it. Grace and truth. God longs for us to be healed. He longs for us to be saved. He longs to fix those areas of our life that are messed up and just what you might feel is hopeless. That's the grace. The truth side is there's some things that might need to be fixed. When the light of truth shines on you, what do you see? Are you just looking at the truth or or the grace rather? Or is there truth? You see, when the condition of your heart is finally shown, what is there? For a lot of people, it could be a lifestyle that has to be different. That the truth might be that you have to make some changes. There might be a few things that you need to work on. And you're going to have that communication with God. The truth might be that I've been in this place for 20 years and I I haven't done anything with my life. That's truth too, being stagnant. It's grace and truth. We're going to take communion in a few minutes. We do this every week, and it's our way of accepting the gift that Jesus gave to us, which is eternal life. He said to do this in remembrance of me. We're taking the the wine or the grape juice, representing his blood, and the bread representing his body that was broken. I would encourage you that as we take communion today, examine your heart, examine the place in your heart, And if God is revealing a truth in your life, if he's revealing a condition, we can deal with it. There's people that love you here and they want to pray with you. Let's pray. Father, tonight we we enjoy your presence, God. We love to worship you. We love to be in a place where you're present, God, and, and we can understand you and know you. We just ask that you begin to permeate every area of our lives, permeate our hearts, God. Make us more like you and help us to understand you and know you, Father. We ask that tonight you bless this communion, God. We accept it as as your grace and and the truth that you bring to us, God. And, And your grace and truth is what changes our lives, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you guys want to make your way up, we have a few stations right up here and over here. to see your beauty burns with holy fire for your work created me a heart that hungers for your love you've been listening to gravitychurch.com